There are few things more pointless than a fast car in a big city. Sometimes in Boston or New York, you can hear the sound of a Ferrari or a Lamborghini, with engines revved to unsociable decibels, trying to speed down a main thoroughfare. Quite apart from the other cars, pedestrians and traffic lights, the roads in our northeastern cities are riddled with potholes, lurking in ambush for anyone with a conceit to drive fast. In America today, there is an obsession with how to stimulate demand, with fiscal policy, monetary policy and, cur- and currency policy all being deployed to rev up the economic engine. However, America is facing a demographic pothole, and unless we fill it, growth will be ne- mediocre at best, regardless of how we try to stoke demand. Of course, demographic issues will be far from the headlines this week, as investors focus on the trade war between the United States and China. In the short run, both tariffs themselves and the uncertainties surrounding tariffs are hurting the global economy. In the US, the flash market PMI for August edged down below 50 in manufacturing for the first time in almost a decade, while the services PMI fell sharply. Data due out this week should confirm weaker consumer confidence and sluggish durable goods orders outside of the transportation sector. So far, however, a long pent-up demand for labour is keeping unemployment claims at a very low level, suggesting that the economy still remains, for now, on a path of slow growth rather than recession. That being said, as we show in our weekly market recap, recessions are mostly caused by a collapse in confidence leading to a slump in business hiring. Consequently, increased recession talk, whether due to the inversion of a yield curve or rising tariffs, do make the economy more vulnerable to recession today than at any point thus far in this, the longest of US expansions. In the midst of this gloom, the administration has been considering tax cuts to stimulate demand while berating the Federal Reserve for not cutting interest rates to achieve the same end. On the first issue, last week's CBO deficit forecast showing a projected shortfall of $960 billion for the current fiscal year, which ends next month, and over $1 trillion in each of the next 10 years should give pause for thought. Even if it doesn't, political reality suggests that a Democratic House of Representatives would be very unlikely to pass a windfall for taxpayers in the run-up to the 2020 elections. As to the Federal Reserve, Chairman Powell's Jackson Hole speech was largely in line with expectations and sets the table for a 25 basis point cut in September, with one more rate cut to come in either October or December, assuming no change in the trajectory of economic growth or inflation in the meantime. Meanwhile, the President may be impatient for even greater rate cuts. The administration does not, however, appear to appreciate how little stimulus such rate cuts would deliver to the economy and how much damage is being done by continued trade uncertainty. However, while Washington focuses on how to stimulate demand, a little-noted monthly report released by the State Department on Friday highlights a chronic and growing problem with supply. In July, the number of immigrant visas issued by the United States was down year over year for the 10th consecutive month. It now appears that immigrant visas will be down roughly 14% this year, following a 5% drop last year and a 9% decline in the year before that. This is a critical issue for the United States because of a labour shortage caused by the retirement of the baby boom generation. As a refresher for non-demographers, from 1930 to 1945, the number of babies born in the United States averaged 2.6 million per year. Then suddenly, between 1945 and 1947, the number of births jumped by almost a million to 3.8 million and averaged over 4 million between 1947 and 1965, at which point it began to subside. Because of this, starting in 2012, the number of people turning 65 every year vaulted higher, causing a serious slowdown in the growth of the working age population. According to the latest Census Bureau projections, based on historical data through 2016, the overall US population was expected to grow by 7 tenths of a percent per year between 2019 and 2029. 
However, the population aged 18 to 64 was expected to rise by just two-tenths of a percent annually before rising to over four-tenths of a percent in the following decade as a wave of baby boom retirements subsides. One key aspect of this forecast is an assumption of net immigration of roughly one million people per year. The reason this is so important is that while 61% of the overall population is between the ages of 18 and 64, 75% of the immigrants arriving in the United States are. Indeed, if in the demographic pothole of the next decade, the U.S. doubled net immigration to roughly 2 million a year, the working age population would rise by 0.58% per year. If, conversely, immigration were halved to half a million per year, the population aged 18 to 64 would actually decline at a fractional pace. While the latest visa statistics still suggest immigration of well over half a million per year, it does now appear to be falling significantly below the Census Bureau's million per year assumption. This issue is, or should be, at the centre of our economic debate. Over the past 15 years, real GDP per worker has risen by 1.4% per year. With sluggish investment spending constraining productivity growth, there's no particular reason to believe that it'll be any higher in the decade ahead. Starting with the full employment economy, and assuming that there are very few talented potential workers sitting on the sidelines, the growth in the number of workers is unlikely to be much faster than the growth in the working age population. There are, of course, other ways of boosting the workforce other than through higher immigration. First, in a world where information is at everyone's fingertips, three-year undergraduate degrees might be more efficient than four years of college. If this were somehow to be adopted nationally, it could provide a one-time boost of three million to the workforce. Or the government could decide to delay eligibility for Medicare to age 66, giving today's almost four million 65-year-olds a reason to work for another year. However, assuming that these changes do not occur, the pace of immigration will be key to the pace of economic growth. Put simply, unless the US increases immigration, even sustaining 2% real GDP growth over the next decade will be challenging. This is, of course, a controversial idea at a time when illegal immigration is such a politically charged issue in America. But while a solution to the problems caused by illegal immigration is urgently needed, it should not obscure the benefits that America has received from immigration in the past. Relative to the size of our population, today's immigration is a trickle compared to the flood of humanity that arrived in America at the start of the 20th century, and many Americans today can count a grandparent among that multitude. For those immigrants, as it was for myself 35 years ago, America was an adventure, and America drew the world's adventurers to its shores, making this country the economic powerhouse it has been ever since. For policymakers with a long-term interest in U.S. prosperity, these are important issues to consider. For investors, keeping a close eye on Washington policies in these and other areas will continue to be important in judging appropriate levels of riskiness in portfolios. Well, that's it for this week. Please tune in again next week. And if you have any questions in the meantime, please reach out to your J.P. Morgan representative. This content has been produced for information purposes only. And as such, the views contained herein are not to be taken as advice or recommendation to buy or sell any investment or interest thereto. Reliance upon information in this material is at the sole discretion of the recipient. The material was prepared without regard to specific objectives, financial situation, or needs of any particular receiver. Any research in this asset has been obtained and may have been acted upon by J.P. Morgan Asset Management for its own purpose. The results of such research are being made available as additional information and do not necessarily reflect the views of J.P. Morgan Asset Management. Any forecasts, figures, opinions, statements of financial market trends, 
or investment techniques and strategies expressed are those of J.P. Morgan Asset Management, unless otherwise stated, as of the date of production. They are considered to be reliable at that time, but no warranty as to the accuracy and reliability or completeness in respect of any error or omission is accepted. They may be subject to change without reference or notification to you. J.P. Morgan Asset Management is the brand for the asset management business of J.P. Morgan Chase & Company and its affiliates worldwide. J.P. Morgan Distribution Services Incorporated. Copyright 2018. J.P. Morgan Chase & Company.